Good morning, Mill City Church. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. We are glad to be with you this morning. It's good to be together as a faith community, as a church community, to worship God and respond together to the events of this last week. Allow me to say a prayer as we look at scripture together this morning. Jesus, our hearts are heavy this morning, and yet we know that you are with us that our hope comes from following you and being in your presence and listening to your guidance and receiving your healing and following your instructions as we uh, join with you to make the wrong things right in the world that you love. So speak to us this morning. Comfort us and challenge us and guide us by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we pray. Well, as has already been said this morning, this is an incredibly heavy week. And I was trying to imagine all of the different emotions that you all must be feeling right now. And I made a list of some of them, and I'm sure I can't cover them all, and, and many of which I've been feeling myself. Uh, significant grief over what's been happening. Many of you have said that you've just found yourself crying during the week this week. Heaviness, sadness, anger, frustration, hopelessness, named by many of you that I talked to. Fear. Anxiety, deep fatigue, a tiredness that goes beyond just not sleeping well. Bone tired, I call it. Something that's beyond our normal experience. Maybe there's a whole more variety of emotions that you would name. That's where we are at the current moment, and it's important for us to, to name that and to accept that's what we're feeling. We are in a crisis, actually a series of crises right now, and I want to start there and name those things. We are in a crisis of racial injustice at the moment, not only in Minnesota, but in the country that we live in. George Floyd, an African-American man, was killed by a police officer this week, and that police officer was charged with murder. We are in a crisis. This isn't just an incident, as Pastor Donna said. We are in a crisis that has to be dealt with and change has to occur. We're in a crisis of violence and destruction in the middle of our city that has to be dealt with. We're in a crisis of a global pandemic that is a virus that is threatening the most vulnerable people in our communities. This is a very, very difficult and challenging time. So if you're feeling the weight of that, you're not alone. I want to talk this morning about what it is that we do when we're in the midst of crisis as God's people. We are not left without hope. We are not left without resource. God invites us to turn towards God when we are in the midst of crisis. The Psalms, uh, in many places, are recordings of people who are in crisis, who are calling out to God. As Ashish read this morning from Psalm 10, I want to read also from Psalm 28. Just the first couple verses, but I encourage you to read the whole psalm as you have time. It says, to you, Lord, I call. You are my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I will be like those who go down to the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help. As I lift up my hands towards your most holy place. You can imagine David crying out in this psalm, saying, if you remain silent, I will be going down to the pit. There is no other hope if you do not respond. 
in one of my conversations this week with one of the members of Mill City Church, they said, where is God in the midst of this? How can I trust God when there seems to be no response? Many places like this one in the Psalms have that same emotion, that same sentiment, like, God, we desperately need you to act. Please do not leave us alone. It is a distinctly Christian response to crisis to turn to God for help, for leadership, for mercy, for justice, for comfort. We know we can't fix this, these problems by ourselves. We are dependent upon God and God's action. And that's what we cry out for together in worship of God, in following Jesus Christ today. God, you can do anything. Please help us. Now, God has a response to us. Those prayers go up, but God also comes back to us as God's people and invites us to respond ourselves. God, the God of the universe, the God of the Bible, always works through all of us that God has created. And I want to articulate three ways that I think God is inviting us. God is responding to us this morning. The first, as we look at the book of Romans, which is where we've been for the last number of weeks, in chapter 10, we see that God, Paul is articulating how God invites all of us to admit that we need to be saved. We have some serious problems in our lives and in the world, and we're acutely aware of them now, but they've been going on for all of human history. And the, the biblical response to that, the Christian response to that, is God saying, you have to own this stuff. You have to admit that you have sin in your life, both personally and systemically. You have to admit the need to be saved in a vulnerable way in order for the God of the universe to come in and save you and rescue you from yourself and from all of the systems around you. We call that sin in the Bible. And whenever people are resistant to owning their own sin or owning the systemic sin that we experience together, we're in a dangerous place. We need to vulnerably admit that each one of us has sin in our lives that contributes to the problems that we are facing right now. And not only that, but there are systems that perpetually cause sinful things to happen to people, even when those things are completely out of their control. Many of my friends who are people of color, they express frustration when they say, there seems to always be another reason or someone else's fault when something like what happened to George Floyd happens. There's always some other cause, right? Instead of just owning the fact that this was wrong, it was sin. And there's no other way to deal with sin than to repent and ask for God to forgive us and to change us. And so for every single one of us, we need to own our own personal sin in our lives and ask for God to heal us. And we also have to be aware of and own the fact that there are systemic sins that exist that are affecting us. The second way that God is responding to us is to ask us to be transformed, to, to allow ourselves to be changed by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's Pentecost Sunday today, which is when we honor the coming of the Holy Spirit in our lives and more, where we ever needed the Holy Spirit to come more. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it talks about this kind of transformation. Before I read that, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it challenges us to change. Worshiping Jesus changes our hearts. 
so that we become more concerned with what God cares about. The more we listen to the gospel and the more we worship Jesus, the more in tune we become with God's will the, uh, and what God wants for our world and what God wants our lives to be like. Let me read how Paul writes this in, in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, because God has already died for you and given up his life and come back from death to offer you forgiveness, offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. We need change. We need transformation. God is inviting us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, by offering our bodies and our minds in worship to Jesus Christ so that the Holy Spirit can change us and make us different people, to change our hearts, to change what we value, to change what we care about, to change what we prioritize, to change the systems that govern our lives. This past week is not what God wants for the world or for our lives, right? In God's kingdom, black and brown people should not have to fear for their lives simply because of the color of their skin. In God's kingdom, people do not riot and loot and damage businesses. In God's kingdom, Jesus is king, and Jesus' agenda is what guides living in that kingdom. Jesus has very different values than what we have seen. Jesus has love and deep respect for God and demands that from everyone else. Jesus values fairness and justice, especially for those people who are on the margins of society, who are experiencing poverty of various sorts. Jesus is extremely concerned about those people. Jesus is very concerned to seek out people who don't know God, don't know God's love, don't know God's presence in their life. That is a top priority for him. Jesus is concerned about the welfare and safety of children because they're the hope of the future. Jesus is valuing giving up his own life for the salvation of the entire world in a way that none of us can even understand. And the list could go on and on of the things that Jesus cares about. To live in God's kingdom, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts and our minds so they become more and more like Jesus' heart and mind. When life doesn't look like God's kingdom, then we need to repent, as Pastor Stephanie said earlier. We need to ask God to change us, to transform us, both individually and communally, and that's where we are right now. There are some short-term changes that need to take place that we need to pray about and ask God for. But there's also much more long-term work that we don't want to lose track of when the current events have passed into history. I know that from my own experience for the last 20 years, it's been very important for me to learn more and understand more about what being white means. And, and I want to speak specifically to people who are white this morning, not because I'm trying to pick on you, because I am white. And that's the easiest thing for me to understand at the moment, that I've spent two decades trying to learn, what does it mean to be white? How is whiteness impacting the way that I see the world? 
How is whiteness impacting the way that people who live around me are seeing and experiencing the world? Part of the transformation that Jesus is inviting us into, that the Holy Spirit is trying to work in our lives, is helping us to see the blind spots that we all have. And you might say, those are unintentional. I'm, I don't want to, I'm not trying to be a racist person. It doesn't matter. The way that we all have grown up, the way that you have been formed as a person, includes having racial blind spots in your life. And you have to learn what they are because they contribute to the experience of all of us and the injustices that happen to people, especially people of color. There is a sinful assumption that comes with whiteness, and I want to just name it blatantly this morning. The assumption is that being white is better or more right than being brown or black or any other color. And that's a lie. You don't find that in scripture. You don't find Jesus teaching that. And yet that one lie has impacted the lives of people for hundreds of years in unbelievably sinful and evil ways. And that evil is still impacting us today. And so if you have resistance in your heart, when you hear someone say things like, don't be racist, or you seem like, just don't resist the idea that you might have something to repent of. As Christians, that's, that's where we come from. That's, that's the heart of our, our faith is that we do admit where we have sin in our lives. And we do ask God to heal us. And that's actually what makes us all equal at the foot of the cross, that every single one of us needs that forgiveness. Jesus, uh, Paul is actually very careful to say in Romans, do not think of yourself more highly than you're not, than you ought. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, because every single one of you has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and you have the opportunity to be forgiven simply by accepting the gift of grace in your life. So don't resist it. Don't be defensive about it. Be open. Listen to the people who aren't like you. Validate their experiences. Allow them to teach you what it's like to see the world and experience the world the way that they experience it. We desperately need that if we're going to change ourselves or if we're going to change the systems that we live in. I want to end by reading this uh, end of this chapter in Romans chapter 12. I've seen on social media this week and heard from many people an important question and a very difficult question, which is what is it that we do about this? What can we do? And, it, and it's not, there's not immediate obvious answers all the time. But I think Paul anticipated the question for his readers in the end of this chapter because they wanted to know what to do as well. And as I read this passage, I want you to, to listen to it. I want to read it slowly. And I want to see if any one of these phrases jumps off of the page, so to speak, at you as something that you can do right now. Something that you can do to express love in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit to someone in your life. So listen to this text and see if any one of these things is actionable for you this week. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual server, fervor, sorry, serving the Lord. 
Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We're calling out to God together today in desperate need of God's help. And God is saying, I have to offer you forgiveness and mercy, and I will lead you to a place where you can experience my justice and my righteousness. But you have to respond by admitting that you need my forgiveness. Um, and by being transformed, being changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And finally, by loving people with your actions. And then by doing that, together, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can overcome evil with good. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come. This is much bigger than any one of us, and yet you invite each one of us into the work of making wrong things right in the world that you love. May your kingdom come, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give each one of us a small, actionable step this week to express your love tangibly to those around us. Help us to hear your voice and take risks to express that concern and love in whatever way you lead us. Bring justice into this world, God. Allow it to, to exist with Jesus reigning fully. May evil be defeated. And may your people respond to the call to be part of your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.